0: Is the Lord, huh? Man, that that anthem right then was powerful, right? Whoa, I was not expecting to sit over here and to hear that before then getting up here. And let me tell you what, it uh, it kind of rattles you a little bit. It kind of gets you excited to get up here and to dive into God's Word. Um, and so, yeah, thank you. That that was that was awesome. Um, this morning, I've got to gather my thoughts again. This morning, we're going to be continuing in Mark chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, go ahead and open up Mark chapter 2. And we're going to be at the very end of Mark chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 23 through 28. Uh, we're going to be kind of reading a little bit, stopping, reading a little bit, stopping. And, uh, and so you can go ahead and get into Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. And you can just kind of settle in there. And uh, if you don't have a Bibles, that's okay. We, uh, we've should have most of the passages up on the screen for you to follow along. I'm going to start reading, and uh, we're just going to read the very first two verses, starting in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, I want to stop right there. And the reason why is because uh, this passage, as we've been continuing to Mark chapter two, uh, this section of of scripture was given to me uh, to preach to you guys this morning. And, uh, And so for about a month and a half now, I pretty much just read the passage, and then I read it some more, and then I read it some more, and I read it and read it. I once had a professor uh, tell me, before you ever begin to take notes about a a passage, um, before you start doing sermon notes, you need to read it at least 50 times. And so I would say probably over the month and a half, I've probably read this passage 50 plus times. And uh, let me tell you something, though. The word Sabbath I didn't really know a whole lot about it, right? Like I knew very, very much surface level about Sabbath, the day of Sabbath. And if I was to take a poll, more than likely majority of you out there are probably not scholars whenever it comes to knowing everything about the day of the Sabbath, Sabbath day. And that's a term that I've heard my whole life, but I've never spent time actually dissecting what is it about the Sabbath? What does that even fully mean? And so this morning, I want to start off by uh, hopefully teaching you something new about Sabbath. And that's where we're going to start off. And so, uh, you know, the Sabbath first came into the picture all the way back at creation in Genesis. And most of us know this, that God created the heavens, he created all things. And then on the seventh day, he rested, right? On the very last day, he rested. But then for 2,500 years, There was nothing about the Sabbath. Sabbath wasn't, uh, it wasn't for humans. It was mainly just God had blessed the Sabbath, this time of rest. That's what we see in Genesis chapter two. And then we fast forward and then all of a sudden we get into Exodus to where all of a sudden, then we start seeing where the, the day of Sabbath, the Sabbath day was assigned as a day that we were called to rest. It was instruction. It was law. We were called to rest And then we fast forward some more, many, many years down the road, and then Jesus enters into the picture. And see, Sabbath, Hebrew word Shabbat, everybody say Shabbat. There's your Hebrew, uh, there's your uh, lesson for today. That means Sabbath. And so Shabbat does not mean six days. It does not mean seven days. It does not mean Saturday or Sunday, which is a common confusion. For me, I always just assumed it meant It meant, you know, Saturday, or it meant Sunday, or, you know, I didn't really know what the translation was until Hebrew. And then all of a sudden, you learn that it means rest. It's a day of rest. Whenever you look at Shabbat, whenever you look at the day of Sabbath, God is simply saying it is a day of rest. It's a day of rest. That's how it was intended to be. It was a time for you to take time to rest and observe everything that's happening around you to see the glory of God's creation, to be refreshed, to be renewed. And so then all of a sudden, humans get this day of Sabbath. And as we typically do, we start to kind of muddy it up a little bit, right? Between the time of creation all the way till Jesus' time, uh, you had these religionists, you had these uh, Pharisees, you had these religious rulers that all of a sudden started asking questions. Now, I don't know about you, but I've worked with some people in the past um, whenever I was like 16, 17, 18, 19, and it was always the same person that would just ask too many questions. Students, if you're ever sitting in class and then all of a sudden you're sitting by that one person to ask, too many questions, right? And it almost becomes annoying. And that's kind of how the religionist people, that's how these, uh, the, the, the Pharisees were beginning to be about the day of Sabbath. They started asking too many questions. Okay, God, you say that we need to rest. Law is, is we need to rest. We don't need to work. Well, what is classified as work? What does it mean to rest? And they start asking these questions that maybe you should just take the simplified version of rest. And they start asking, what is work? What can we do? What can we not do? Trying to toe the line a little bit. I want to be able to do as much as I'm able to. And it became very, very legalistic. And the Sabbath turned into a day of mass confusion. For many, many years, there was legalism. There was confusion. There was um, just all sorts of misinformation of what it had become To be And over my time of studying, I've actually come across some pretty interesting fun facts. And let me tell you something, I wanna encourage you later today, go home and research more of this Sabbath law, like days, the laws that came with the Sabbath. I've got a few. The first one that was interesting to me is that you could only write one letter. You couldn't sew more than one stitch on the Sabbath. Now I'm not much of a sewer, which is I'm sure shocking to everybody, but I imagine you need more than just one stitch to probably be successful in most things. You couldn't repair a fallen roof. You couldn't carry a whole orange or a whole piece of fruit, but you could carry half of one. Um, there was all sorts of complications whenever it came to traveling. You could only travel certain distances over a certain amount of time. And um, they couldn't tie knots. And so women would tie uh, girdles um, uh, around a, uh, a bucket, such so where they could draw water, but not nuts, which is just confusing to me. Um, in fact, with the, with the roof that caved in, if you were to come onto a building and a, bu- a building had collapsed on a family or on somebody, you could go over to the building and do the bare minimal to see if you could get down into where the people were at. And if the people were alive, then you could technically legally help them out. But if they were dead, you just had to leave them alone until the next day. And uh, there's all sorts of things like that, though. That whenever it comes to the day of Sabbath, there was all sorts of law, there was all sorts of legalism, and you can do this, but you can't do this. And it was all just created by man. That is not what God's original intention was for this day of rest. And you see, one of the rules was about harvesting. You cannot harvest harvest. And so the Pharisees were looking out upon the disciples, if you remember in verses two through three that we just read, where they're walking and they're plucking grains and they're eating it. So they're not storing it because that would be harvesting. You could pluck the grain and eat it and that was legal, but it was illegal to store it because that would be considered harvesting. And so the, the Pharisees are looking out upon the Jesus and the disciples doing these things and they're, they're just kind of throwing you know, comments out there of like, wait, 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 no, no, no. It's, it's the day of Sabbath. You can't do that. You can't do that. And see, I wanna make a note real quick about the disciples in this time though, because as I was reading this, you know, 50 plus times, I kept thinking about the disciples and kind of laughing. I was like, okay, if I was one of them, And if I know that the religious people are like this, my personality is to uh, purposefully do things in front of them just to kind of get an uprise from them, right? Uh, I'm sure there's many personalities that are like that out there. Uh, For instance, one of them is my daughter, Paisley. See, Paisley is 17 months old. And uh, Paisley's in like the cutest but most disgusting time of her life right now. Um, You see in our apartment, we have a two bedroom apartment and we have two bathrooms and Paisley has learned where the bathroom is and she's learned that there's water inside the toilet. And so Paisley um, knows that she's not supposed to go play in the toilet water. So what Paisley does is, is she goes into the bathroom and she stands about three or four feet away from the toilet and she starts to make noises. She starts calling out, mama, dada, mama, dada. And she's kind of giggling. She's like, mama, dada. And we're like, Paisley, get out of the bathroom. Come here, get out of the bathroom. We're walking to go see her. And as we get to the bathroom and we turn the corner, she's sitting there waiting and she's looking at us and she's smiling. And the moment she sees us, she beelines it to the toilet and starts splashing around in the water before we can get to her. And then she runs out of the bathroom as fast as she can, just laughing, trying to get away from us. And uh, like I said, she's in this like disgusting, but really cute mode right now. And, uh, but let me tell you what, I kind of think of that similar to the disciples, the disciples being like, oh yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to eat some of this grain just in front of the Pharisees because it's going to be hilarious because then they're going to pop off to Jesus and then let's wait and see what Jesus says. And, uh, and that's exactly, what happens. You see, uh, there, there's one thing that stands out to me in this, and that is um, the, the Pharisees were trying to control legalism across the board. They're trying to make Jesus slip up, and, and, and they're trying to make these disciples slip up such so where they can be persecuted. And what's happening is the disciples and Jesus are all saying, I don't serve the law of man, I serve the son of man. And my first point for today is Jesus desires relationship over religious laws. He desires a relationship with you. He doesn't want legalism. He doesn't want you to be at church this morning right now because you're supposed to be here. He wants you to be here this morning because you want to to worship him. You want to praise him. You want to be in the presence of the Lord. He wants you to be here this morning, not to check a box, but instead to grow closer in relationship with him. That is what Jesus is all about. He's all about relationship rather than religious law. Serve the son of man, not the law of man. You see, this is the part of the story where Jesus then enters into the scene of what's happening. In verse 25, and Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of, of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? I love this part of Jesus because it's almost like a sassy form of Jesus, right? Which I think is just awesome. He's saying, hey, listen, uh, religionists, Pharisees, have you not read this? knowing good and well that they knew it. It was a known thing that they had probably memorized all of this. And that's what's happening is that he's referring back to a passage in 1 Samuel uh, where David is running and he's running for his life at this point. And what happens is he's, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's hungry and he comes up and he ends up eating this bread that is only for the high priest. And that he wasn't even legally by God's law, not supposed to do it. He was breaking law by eating this bread. And so Jesus is sitting there and he's telling this story and he's saying, hey, listen, um, I'm going to name drop David, which I also love, that immediately Jesus is like, okay, you're going to pick up my disciples. Let me find somebody that you love and care about. Boom, David. Um, David did this. Did you forget about that? But you see, the Pharisees had exalted David to where David could do no wrong. David was, was going to be king. He was going to be this, this guy. And he, and he was the one that, that all the Pharisees, that they were all looking up to. And that's, who, um, and that's what ended up happening is that David ended up eating the priest's bread and no one bothered to question him. You see in Matthew 12, verse six, don't forget Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all telling similar stories. They're all um, going through and they're, they're sharing similar interactions of what's happening. So Matthew also covers the same story, but Matthew adds a little bit something to his um, that I don't see in Mark. And, and that's what this passage is. In Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse six, Jesus is talking. It says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Man, and once you hear that, you understand exactly the heart and the intention of what Jesus is doing in his response. He is saying, hey, listen, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the king of the Sabbath. And that's my second point for today is that Jesus is the king of the Sabbath. Of the Sabbath. I believe that Jesus is sitting here and he's making a statement to the Pharisees saying, Someone greater than David is here. I am greater than David. I am the forever king who has promised to come from David. I believe he's making a point to the Pharisees at this time of just a full circle. And kind of maybe even blowing their minds a little bit if they had just not had hardened hearts towards Jesus where they could have actually heard what he was saying of listen, you're, you're exalting David but you need to be exalting me. Mark 1, 15 as we read um, earlier in this, in this series of Mark I believe it might have been the very first week um, Mark 1, verse 15 says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is letting them know that you know what? Jesus is king. The law is not king. David is not king of the Sabbath. The Pharisees weren't king of the Sabbath. Jesus was. And Jesus is claiming authority greater than David. Jesus is king. Therefore, as we're understanding the Sabbath... As we're learning today more about the Sabbath and how it applies to our life, we must keep in our minds and understand the truth that one, Jesus is desiring a relationship with you, not religious law. And two, that matters. Why? Because Jesus is king. And because he is king, we have a response. Because he is king, we are to praise him. Because he is king, we're to find rest in him. Because Jesus is king, we are to serve him. Because Jesus is is king, we are to cling to him. We're to have a relationship with Jesus. Let's continue in Mark 2, uh, verses 27 and 28. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. You see, when God established a day of Sabbath, um, it was intended to be a gift to humankind. I I don't think God uh, got the very end of creating all things and was like, man, I'm exhausted. I don't think so. I think God was probably okay. Um, But I think what God is doing is he's setting a precedent from the very beginning of time of, listen, you need to find time to rest in me. You need to be able to step back and enjoy the creation. You need to be able to step back and be in the presence of the Lord. You need to be able to step back and rest, be restored, be refreshed. I mean, think about it. It has to be a gift to us. If you're a parent, if you're somebody that works five, six, seven days a week, imagine this a week where you're busy, your kids are running wild, your calendar is off the wall, you're busy. Everything is crazy happening from from sun up to sundown. You are busy. Busy. It sounds like most of our every single week, right? You're busy. Our calendars are full. And what God is doing, He's like, listen, you're busy. You don't have time to even calm down and focus on the goodness of me. So I'm going to implement a day to where you are to sleep in. You're not to cook. You're not to clean. You're not to work. You're to rest. God is saying, I need you to rest. I don't know about you, but that sounds amazing right now. (laughs) To rest. You see, Jesus is saying the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The day of rest was made for us. This is how uh, we should see and understand God's law, not as a form of legalism, but rather a gift to us. Whenever you think about the 10 commandments, whenever you think about the Old Testament law, all of these things should be viewed as a gift to humankind, not legalism. Oh man, I have to follow the 10 commandments. I can't go murder somebody. It's crazy, right? No, it's God's gift to us. God's gift of, hey, listen, I want you to be your very best, Because human, whenever you're at your very best, Christian, whenever you're at your very best, whenever you're rested and you're rested in the presence of the Lord, then man, you're glorifying me, man, you're doing good on earth. Whenever you're busy and whenever you're distracted and you're constantly going, 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 and your calendar is completely filled up and you never are finding time to rest in the Lord, that's not what God calls of us. You see, God wants us to thrive on earth. He wants us to flourish on earth. He doesn't want us to be miserable and worn out and tired constantly. 1 John 5, verse 3, it says, his commandments are not burdensome. It's not burdensome. We should view the day of Sabbath as a gift. The laws of God have us in mind. They're there to help us. You see, God wants us to find rest and peace, but not in this world, but in him. He wants us to find rest in him. He wants us to find peace in him, not in the law, but in him. He wants us to thrive, but not in the acts of following law, but by serving and glorifying him on earth. We are to serve him. We are to find rest in him. We are to glorify him. Why? Because he is the king of all things. So, therefore, we can find rest in him. So, practically, what does that look like? How do we uh, celebrate? How do we, how do we acknowledge a day of Sabbath in today's world? Uh, because it is important, right? I mean, it is uh, number four of the Ten Commandments that we are to acknowledge. We are to uh, take time to find rest in the Lord, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, so, it is applicable still to us today. Um, and my third and final point is find rest in Jesus through remembering the Sabbath, Find rest in Jesus by remembering the Sabbath, but remembering the Sabbath, not for what it had become in legalism, but for what it had become uh, or what what it was originally intended for. Find rest in Jesus through remembering the Sabbath of what God had originally intended for it to be, which was a time of rest. Hebrews 4, 9 through 12 says, so then... There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of should and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus came to the earth to draw people to his kingdom. He desires a relationship with us. He wants us to enjoy him, walk with him, experience him and his goodness. He simply wants us to have a relationship and find rest in him. You see, rest is important for your health. Uh, It's also very important for your spiritual health. We see all throughout scripture where we are are called and where we are in a great need to rest. Rest. We're needing this time for God to restore us, to refresh us. We find rest through spending time with God, praying to God, reflecting on His Word, worshiping Him, surrounding ourselves with community that is glorifying God. We find rest in coming to church. I hope that this is a place where you can come to rest. I hope this is a place where you can come to worship. You can pray, you can open your Bibles. I pray that this is a place that you do feel comfort, that you do feel safe, that you do feel welcomed, that you do find great joy in. This is a place, and that's why we see where it's so important for the community of believers to gather as one. It's because we're able to find great rest in God through this time together. It's important. See, God calls on us to be still. He calls on us to be silent and to be present before the Lord. God calls on us to be still, be silent and to be present before the Lord. In order to do these things, we must be disciplined, we must slow down and we must prioritize these things in our family, parents, parents, parents. It is so important for you as a parent to find time to rest in the Lord. It's important. It has to be a priority. Because if you're not rested, then you're not going to be able to lead your kids well. You have to be able to find rest in the Lord. Now, what does that look like? I I get it. You can't just take off a whole day and not cook, clean, do anything. You can't just sleep in. I get it. That's not what this is telling. That's legalism. What you can do though is, is that you can take time every day to spend with the Lord. To find rest in him for me, some days it's on my way while I'm driving and I'm just blaring worship music and I'm just crying out, I'm singing. Paisley's in the back seats screaming and trying to sing too. Other times it, it might be like, I have this new thing where I like to golf now. And so some days I'm like, you know, I just need to get outside and enjoy creation and try to golf. For others, it might be a time at work, a time away, but parents, you have to make it a priority to rest. Find a way that you can rest in the presence of the Lord. Parents, it's also really important for you to help your kids and our students to find ways to rest in the Lord. Our students and our, in your kids, they need to learn how to rest in the presence of the Lord as well. Opening their Bibles, spending time in God's word, that's how you can rest in the word. To worship, to rest in the presence of the Lord. There might be other ways that, that for you, you're able to rest. You see, the the direction that a lot of our society is headed and the world that we live in, it's not really uplifting our hopes in the way that our kids are being raised according to the world, right? So therefore, it's equally as important that we need to fight that and disciple our students to help them be raised in the word of God, helping them to be in the presence of the Lord every day. No matter how old your kids are, no matter how young they are, parents, it is important to find that rest and to teach our kids to rest.